passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It is John Pollock and Brandon Thurston with another week of Pollock and Thurston here on Wednesday, August the 30th. Brandon, we have lots to talk about today. We're going to be going over uh, in-depth um, emergence, NWA's 75th anniversary card, and then we are going to be a team. an MLW show coming up, too. All of that, uh, and we've got a, a great guest. We're going to go match by match through uh, all of that. But uh, without further ado, uh, the man that is joining us, uh, I'm sure everybody here, very familiar with all of his great work over at Fightful.com and the birthday boy, no less, Sean Ross Sapp is <laughs> it's your birthday today. It, it is. is his birthday. Happy a birthday. pro uh, spending a bit of his uh, birthday uh, with myself and Brandon Thurston. But uh, happy birthday, Sean, and thanks so much for uh, jumping on with us. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It, it means a lot to, that you guys asked me. So I will obviously get into uh, all of the chaos that is going on. But for you, I mean, this was last week. Brandon and I finished this show. And within 10 minutes, it was the, the news of Terry Funk's passing. And it feels like two months have passed uh, since last week. Uh, you're covering all of this and you're going across the going across the ocean uh, for all in uh, just Overall, uh, what have the last seven days been like uh, for you from the reporting side, as oh well as with, with travel thrown in there with everything that's gone on? Uh, a roller coaster, man. I mean, much like you guys, uh, Jimmy Van and I were on the air for the aptly named Hump uh, last Wednesday. And around the end of the show, you know, Ric Flair always breaking that news. Like, and, and when it's Rick, you always have to go, okay, he's known to blurt out things, but he's also got. A pretty good connection. I mean, quite honestly, he was the first person that heard about Bray as well that I that I had heard of uh, via a mutual contact. And unfortunately, the Terry Funk news was confirmed. Unfortunately, the next day, the shocking news about Bray out of nowhere after a couple weeks ago, I had people in WWE saying, "Hey, we're we got creative plans in order for this guy. Like we're in September, we're thinking about bringing him back." And at, at that point, I'm I'm talking with WWE about, hey, you know, I'm supposed to go to this Undertaker thing tonight. Is it is it in poor taste if I attend this? If I cover this, like, is it gonna happen? And they're like, no. If anything, he'll want to say stuff about Bray and and Terry. And on the way there, I, I get a call from someone who wanted the the cause revealed and. That is that is gutting news to hear, but gutting news to relay as well. And, and to get that responsibility, it is. This was family, yeah, yeah, family in the company, yeah. And I, I was, I, I was initially told, oh well, we don't necessarily want it to say from this person. I was like, listen, guys, there's zero chance I put that out there without saying I, I have permission. There's just no way because that's just not my wheelhouse. It's not something I would ever do. Uh, that's information for the family and or the company to put out there in conjunction with the family. And it's man, it, it's that was, I thought as, as intense as it was going to get. And really it was, I mean, nothing's more intense than what happened with Bray. And it, it does put all of this stuff into perspective. Like we are going to talk about all the, the all in stuff in the grand scheme sure. of it. It's like, it's wrestling BS stuff that, that we are dealing with. There, important on the business level I'm not going to downplay it but i mean we are coming off you know the you know a, an utter tragedy in bray wyatt and with terry funk like a, a beloved figure uh passing on as well you compound it all together and it was just a, a whirlwind uh, of news uh, for that period when you were in england sort of was there you know 
pre all in were you certainly getting the vibe that this was almost like here you have these competing emotions that here's this big celebration aimed for sunday and you're coming off you know these these very tragic stories that sort of it, it definitely just cast a shadow on everything that you had this wrestling community and mourning at the same time I think SmackDown helped a lot. It helped people get a lot of emotions out there and, and share a lot of things. And I think that Sunday was going to be sort of sort of a bit of that healing process. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the type of thing that Bray Wyatt loved, that, that the man behind it loved. He loved to perform, loved to entertain. And this is one of the most perfect examples of, of entertaining an audience that wrestling has ever seen, quite frankly, with with the records that it set and and the level of of hype that it had. So I felt like it was going to be a part of that healing process. And despite all the crazy stuff that happened, I feel like it sort of still was because uh, I mean, it was a, a really good show. I thought. I thought so too. I think that historically it's, it's going to be looked back upon as just such a significant event, uh, not just in the company's history, but uh, a, a major milestone in, in wrestling history, at least of this century in a post WCW uh, world in terms of a non WWE company running a major stadium show um at this level and to this success um that we'll also get into so for the uh for your setup at all in are you in the crowd are you in a in a media box because um giant news is about to fall on your on your on your lap and i'm kind of curious from you is it a benefit to be at the the scene of the crime so to speak or is this uh complicating matters for you as you're reporting in real time Funny enough, to my right was Denise Salcedo, who who I adore, wonderful woman who works hard. To my left is Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I speak with them often, but I conferred with them uh, like a minimal amount about what was happening. <laughs> I leaned over and I was like, Jack Perry and CM Punk. And Brian's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, this was minutes after the show went off and somebody sent me a message and they said, you're about to have another uh, brawl out night. And it honestly wasn't that bad. Wasn't nearly as bad as that. I mean, we're talking about two, three in the morning for, for that night compared to middle of the afternoon. Cause I didn't get off Eastern time when I went over there, I was like, mm-hmm. I'm just staying. I had a feeling it would benefit me. Fortunately it did. I didn't really get the sense that something was going to bubble over and actually happen. Because that was so far removed from my brain, Jack Perry and, and CM Punk. I was still thinking about the Bucks and Punk. And I heard they had a little brush past and everything was fine, seemingly. Uh, people were on the edge of their seats. But at once I heard about that, I was like, cool, everything's going to be good. I still get a little bit of PTSD covering the MJF stuff and the, the CM Punk stuff last year. So as far as on the scene versus at home, Last year for the double or nothing and all out stuff, I felt like being home really benefited me. Sure. Because you had goobers like Mark Madden saying, oh, you should have went and knocked on MJF's hotel room door. I was like, come get, on. Get the battering ram. and Get the battering ram. Go do a welfare check on him, Sean Ross Sapp. Um, yeah, and, and, and Punk and, and uh, Jack Perry had, had issues before, right? This is why he said the, the comment on the air about this is real glass. Um, and, and I think you had reported on that earlier, right? Yes. So at the collision in Canada, when Perry had to go there to do a pre-tape, he was scheduled to go on vacation. He and Anna Jay were going to Hawaii. And in the interactions that I had with Punk's side of things, one of, one of the comments was, oh, because he didn't want to come to work next week. And there was no color added to that. It wasn't like, Oh, well, he was trying to get himself injured and not come to work next week, or he just didn't want to make a dynamite date, or he didn't have a vacate, or he had a vacation scheduled. There wasn't a lot of color painted to that. So I felt like that was important for him to be like, Hey, you know, this guy does have a vacation plan. Like that is something that he's likely spent money on and, and had planned for and his girlfriend probably planned for and spent money on. So in seeing stuff like that, I was like, well, that that was a very CM Punk thing to say, like looking at the camera and saying it's a real it's real glass. Cry me a river. I was like, that's something that CM Punk would have said in 2010, 2011. Or in 2023, for that matter. Yeah, 2023. It, like, obviously, you're, you're online and such. Are you aware right away that that line is, is uttered on, on the broadcast? How quickly do you hear about that line being that you're in the stadium? So in the media box, we had little monitors and they often didn't work. 
and you couldn't hear anything. There was no commentary. Depending on the media box setup that you get, you might get the live feed, you might get the broadcast feed, you might get the in-house feed. There's, there's several different ones that are available. Funny enough, we couldn't hear anything that was going on down there until the glass busted and you could hear it all throughout Wembley. Like it was, it was loud, but I didn't know until I got, I posted about that and people posted the, the quote underneath. Then I was like, okay. Mm. And I thought it was funny. I thought it was a funny line. I thought it was good. It's the type of thing that if you know, you know, and if you don't, who cares? Well. It, uh, it, it turned out to be a line that, uh, it m- made its way, uh, t- to the back and thus, uh, it, the explosions occurred. And I, I will say this, like that night, like we, we go on, like we, we do our review of the show. That line is out there. The reaction is there. And I'm thinking like, this is another dust up. I don't feel this is like it, we're at a level 10 here. Uh, you fast forward to, to Monday and it was just like this just precipitated so much more. And here we are multiple days removed. And this is the, the dominant uh, topic. So at this point, Sean, like what would be from your reporting, your, your best estimate in terms of what the status of Jack Perry and CM Punk stands at today in regards to AEW with this big week ahead of multiple nights in Chicago? I'd be surprised if we saw either one of them on the all out card. I don't even know if Jack Perry was planned for the all out card, to be honest with you. Um, Punk had prior obligations with, with the Cauliflower Alley Club and, and I believe a commentary gig as well. But ugh, it's going to hurt that crowd. It's going to hurt. I mean, it's going to affect the mood of a lot of that crowd because, quite frankly, let's be real. A lot of the people that are going to AEW All Out, they do not care what CM Punk does or doesn't do behind the scenes. They care about what he does on the screen and they paid for their tickets to go watch him do that on screen. Um, I'm, I'm working on tidying up some information about what the plans were for him this weekend. But as best I know, he was supposed to main event the show. I, I mean, as far as I am aware, I wouldn't expect to see him. But also, uh, from, from what I understand, this thing happened in pretty clear view of maybe Tony Khan. So it'd be hard for him to justify, oh, yeah, the, the, just this one show, just this one or two shows. Let's bring him in and rob Van Dam this. He can drop the real world's title or whatever because, oh man, it, but it's AEW. So it's really, really hard to like sort of chop up what it is they're going to do. Cause we don't even really know what they would have done to CM Punk had he not been injured. That injury at all out sort of saved them a lot of grief with needing to punish him. If they did, if they didn't, we don't know because. Oh man, it's, it's a mess. It's a real mess. There's no easy answer. There's no, there's no answer that doesn't leave one side uh, aggrieved or, or harms your, your show on Sunday. And tonight, I think it's a really tough balancing act when it's not like you can even avoid the subject. Like you don't want to mislead your audience that this guy might be on the show and you're still selling tickets and people ordering the pay-per-view. You kind of have to make it known. If this guy is not going to be on the show, and to your point, that this is how do you avoid a crowd that is going to be yeah, weighted in CM Punk's favor, turning on these shows, which is not something we've seen AEW crowds do, but that is another possibility of just CM Punk chants reverberating uh, throughout these shows over the next couple of nights. And then they're in Chicago starting tonight, right? Yeah. In Schaumburg, now Arena, and then Collision Saturday at United Center, and then, of course, the pay-per-view United Center. Like if it were to me, uh, set up in terms of the, the, the calculus here and what you have to balance of accurately promoting like your shows and not raising expectation because the audience, whether uh, fair or not, are going to mm. conclude that the company is holding our, our hometown hero away from us who we want to see. And regardless of, you know, where, you know, what, what is fair in this whole situation of how you dole out any punishment. Yeah, and, and as far as on screen, I mean, it ain't never going to happen, but I would have Kenny Omega say that he's politicking to keep Punk off the show because he's getting booed out of that arena Sunday anyway. Takesh <laughs> is going to be a huge baby face next Sunday. So, I mean, but I, I, that's probably a violation of something that they have come to an agreement on anyway. Oh, man, it is, it is absolutely terrible timing. It is just, it, 
And I know there are a lot of people that are like, oh, my God, the dirt sheet guys must love this. I hate it. I truly loathe it. I hate having to reach out to CM Punk for anything. I hate covering this aspect of things. I would really much rather be reporting like, hey, this this girl's contract is up in three months or this person's heading to WWE or WWE has secretly had this person signed for six and a half months and has just sat on them forever. That's the type of stuff I would prefer to cover, but it's the old uh, Joe Dirt method of it's not about you, it's about the consumer, and I can't just sell snakes and sparklers at my fireworks stand, unfortunately. Are you getting a sense for what this is doing for AEW's morale? I, I got the impression when the, the initial brawl out happened a year ago that you know there were a lot of people fed up with with all of this drama and with Punk himself. Um, you know, he went away for many months and then came back and it seemed like people, I mean, obviously there were at least some people willing to work with him. Um, but it, th- this seems like another occasion for people to be fed up with him and, you know, and, and all the drama surrounding him. Yeah. Cause immediately after the brawl, um, there were people, the, honestly, the, the, the majority of people that I talked to were more upset about what he said at the scrum than mm-hmm. the fight. The fight was like the cherry on top and it's like, come on, man. But he undermined the existence of the entire company at the scrum by by being like, I worked with children. Nobody's ever been anywhere, done anything, when quite frankly, it was built on what they had done in Chicago. And then when Brian Danielson, John Moxley, and, and uh, Jericho held that meeting, it really helped a lot of people because you're going to say that those three have never done anything? Well, good luck, because, I mean, they've, they've headlined about everywhere they could possibly headline. So them holding that meeting really seemed to help because between all out and that meeting, there were numerous people that were saying this person will walk out. If punk comes back, I will walk out. If punk comes back and time heals all wounds. Ultimately, this one was another eye rolling situation of like this again, really this again, this is how it, how it ends up. Like you can, you can talk about wanting to be a leader and wanting things done a certain way. But this stuff either it, it follows CM Punk and ultimately there, there's one common denominator there. I respect the guy who, who sticks to his guns and won't take any crap or anything like that. But I mean, also in a corporate setting like that, you got to keep that type of stuff on the screen if at all possible. Yeah. And, and I think it makes it very difficult. Like I'm, I'm sure like all of us, like we have heard like pro punk supporters and, and people that have been, you know, uh, on the other side of, of punk of when it comes to this. And I would say that you can view this in terms of the larger picture of what Sean mentioned of the common denominator here in punk. Whereas on, if you're just assessing this in a vacuum on Sunday, I think that people would look at it was Jack Perry going into business for himself with this line and a guy coming up to him. And if it was left to that, I think you would have, you know, like, some people that would say you're overreacting to a situation and others stating, listen, he, he was not the instigator here, but then I, you know, and only he can, we can't get into his head, but I think when you see the grievances that get aired out publicly from the, the punk side, I think it does um, take away a lot of sympathy for, for punk that it paints himself into a certain light and, it gets very easy that if you're trying to win in the public, uh, the court of public opinion, it becomes very easy to just paint him as a malcontent, even if it is there is more nuance to it. And and I understand, like, if somebody takes a shot at you, you walk up to him, you say, hey, do we get do we have a problem and all that? And if it devolves from there, it devolves from there. But I mean, Jack Perry is 26 years old and did something that CM Punk at 31, 30 was doing to make himself popular. To, to get himself over in one of his hottest angles ever. He was going it, it's very hard for himself. him to put his foot down when we just had the, the, the hangman segment a few weeks ago after, after collision goes off the air. Like it's very hard to be a, I lead by example when the leader here is the one that is breaking his own quote unquote coat. Of course. And I mean, I, you know, I cover the backstage drama of stuff pretty closely and even the original hangman comments. I never picked up on until CM Punk had raised an issue about it backstage and it got on my radar. Like it was one of those things where I was just You're like about the workers rights promo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, it didn't Same. even really register with me. And to me, I was like, yeah, building a pay-per-view. If, if we went back, I'd be like, that seems like the kind of thing that Punk would be like, 
hell yeah, let's sell some pay-per-views type of thing. Because that's ultimately what, what this is all about. It's easy for me to say sitting here doing what I do to be like, yeah, I would go up to that person and say, let's handle it on screen. Let's let's talk it out here and then handle it on screen and keep that between us. But obviously that that isn't what punk likes to do. That isn't punk would rather uh, throw down <laughs> in a lot of senses. So we also got this um, this report from a uh, Wade Keller at the Pro Wrestling Torch stating that um, the Torch had learned that Punk confronted Tony Khan in front of others and then in his locker room in what has been characterized as a heated, intense manner. And at one point, according to three sources who have heard about the situation, told Khan he quit and chewed out Khan with harsh phrasing. So that's another aspect to this, that it seems like there was some interaction between Punk and Tony Khan, which un- I understand was before the Jack Perry issue that already it seemed like it was a, a contentious environment backstage uh, before the Jack Perry line is even uh, uttered on on the program. Yeah, I'm still working to find out some information on that. Um, I heard the the Jack Perry thing was in fairly plain view of like Tony Khan extras and some things like that. I don't know the specifics of, of the, the Tony Khan interaction, but uh, I, I do know that CM Punk had said to multiple people things like, I hate it here, and had expressed frustration. And maybe that was hyperbole on his part, but I mean, I know that was a, a direct quote from him. As, like, well, I can't believe this is how people act. I hate it here, type of thing. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. And I mean, it's, it's again, like it's obviously there were some extreme emotions that are are running uh, at at this point that, that you're seeing. The larger point is just the fact that, listen, you have collision. It's been built around this individual. It is not as simple as just stating, okay, this is a problem. We have to eliminate the, the problem. There is a lot, a lot invested in CM Punk. And it seems to be like the question is, do you make a gigantic wholesale change that that is going to have short term uh, a detriment to your company? Or do we just continue with what has been a pattern of these forest fires that Tony Khan is going to have to put out every couple of weeks, even though these fires do not appear to be extinguished? I know one thing. If I'm Edge, my asking price just went up to head up collision. <laughs> I mean, like, you need a marquee name he's, to he's help. In a great leverage position. Absolutely. Because yeah. you are like this Saturday show needs to work. It needs to be uh, very successful. And you're going into a very heated uh, fall season when it comes to the, the competition only getting stiffer. Tony Khan's got the binoculars out on Impact 1000 to see if. Devon Dudley can still work like anything, anything like that to, to bring some familiarity and star power uh, to, to that show. But yeah, legitimately, if, if you're Edge, if you're Mercedes Monet, if you're people mm-hmm. like that, they need anchors for that show. Like I think Juice and Switchblade have been incredibly big winners on that show. Certainly. But a guy like Miro needs to be utilized more. Uh, you can't. CM Punk has made it the CM Punk show to the point to where talent relations guys can't be at the show. Like, I, I think that's the wildest story, Sean. Like, that's, that's the one to me. Like, that was Chris Daniels there, right? Yeah, I think th- I think that was the one that it was like that one floored me. Um, like that one. Like of all the other things, it's like you like uh, maybe some of them don't make sense, but that one was just that was astounding to me. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Tony Khan has long wanted Goldberg, but Goldberg isn't going to be there for any extended period of time. Like, he'll pop in, pop out. But um, I think you have to have almost a CM Punk contingency plan in the event that this happens, because you you just don't know what you're going to get in that sense and how things might adjust or change. And is he a draw? Objectively, yes. And I think that AEW views him as a bigger headache outside the company as inside. And if you need any example of that, go back and listen to the Colt Cabana podcast that quite frankly helped start all this that we're still seeing today. 
You can trace every single bit of this back to Royal Rumble 2014. We are almost on year 10 of the saga, starting from the concussion to the podcast where he talked about it, to the lawsuit, to the breakdown of that relationship, to him joining AEW, to people thinking that he pushed Colt Cabana out, to his feud with the Elite. And only now has it just like kind of sparked off its own little thing completely separate of that. But the behavior is reflective of that as well. Oh, man. I, I just can't believe this is still going on. Thinking in terms of leadership, you know, one, one thing we've talked about over the last few weeks is, you know, apparently these guys, and I, and I mean by that, Punk and the Elite, they haven't sat down and had a conversation. It doesn't seem like anyone has successfully gotten them together to to try to mediate them. I mean, is there, I know there's only so much we can say sitting here, but have, do you get the sense that, you know, that AEW has the personnel that has the trust of Punk to that extent so that they can actually have a conversation? Because it seems like, you know, we're, all, all we get, as John has written, are these passive aggressive shots, you know, uh, on television, which is only getting people more angry with each other and leading to exactly what happened, uh, at, at all out or all in. I, th- I know that CM Punk says that he wants to and he says, that the Bucks and Kenny don't want to. So according to CM Punk, he wants to get into a room and talk to everybody. When, But when I think of everybody, I mean, you got to get Colt in that room too. Because I mean, that was sort of what launched a lot of this. And I, just because they got into a fight doesn't mean it's going to all be solved or anything like that. But I do think that they at least need to be on cordial terms to the point to where four of the biggest names in the company need to be on the same page in a professional working relationship. I'll give you a good example. When a lot of the Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker stuff came out, people said, well, why didn't you report on their drama before? Because they just shut up and worked with each other. That's why they didn't like each other. But if I ran a report on everybody in wrestling that doesn't like each other, well, that that would be like all that we do. But a lot of these people just say, "Eh, I'll work with you. Don't like you. We'll get in there. We'll handle our business. Then we ain't talking on Tuesday or Thursday or whatever it is. I don't think from my experience and conversations that the Young Bucks and Kenny are interested in that conversation. And for a long time, I was saying, well, they shouldn't be. They should use it to leverage their new contracts, which I'm told they did. Because what what did they benefit by mending those fences before they get money to mend those fences? And now I just haven't heard of any particular interest on their side either. And I think they're well within their right in that case. Yeah. And listen, those like none of us have like a horse in the race here, but like if you're looking at it from that side, like from their perspective, I'm sure they can look at it like we, the night of all out, we went to go sit down and speak. I don't think anyone, even people that are anti elite in this whole discussion, believe they showed up at that locker room to initiate a fight uh, with CM Punk. Um, and it's like that was, we, we tried to go talk and look what the end result of that was. So, we're the, the talking part, like, listen, we'll all exist in our little silos here. But as we're seeing now, it, it, this extends beyond just those parties at all out. It is permeated into other areas. And here we are on a Wednesday. And this pay-per-view on Sunday is like, this has an absolute effect on, on business. And for three nights in Chicago could elicit a very hostile environment that is not going to be a shining moment for, for the company. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they got really lucky that WBD was just like, you want a primetime show on Saturdays by chance? It might fix some stuff. My God, man. Like uh, that, that was a golden platter opportunity. Like just here you go that you don't just get primetime cable TV shows just handed to you very often, much less one that, can help rectify a lot of situations like this, but it just wasn't handled. Something needed to happen. Like when when you hear that he's sending Ryan Nemeth home and keeping Matt Hardy and, and possibly Ethan page, but Isaiah Cassidy and, and Christopher Daniels off the show, you should probably step in and be like, my company can't do that. Learn like your issue was physically with these people. You don't need to keep, these people away type. And, and once, and once you are handing over that power, like you are essentially like, like this does come down at the end, like of a, of a Tony Khan, you are going to utilize as much power as is provided to you. And, you know, he is somebody that 
has clearly, you know, seen his influence, knows the importance that that he holds. I am most curious if uh, cell phones are going to be allowed uh, inside <laughs> of uh, tonight's speech when CM Punk receives the Mike Mazurki Award and is going to speak at the podium. And knowing Phil Brooks, I would assume like he is not just going to be going up there for a uh, thanks a lot without um, having something uh, to say uh, with with all of this. I don't feel this will just be uh, him giving some quick. He's he's getting cauliflower Alley's highest honor. I read. Wow. I mean, I think he would be right. (laughs) I think he would be right. (laughs) I expect him to take a shot or say something, Uh, but. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I understand where in his eyes, he doesn't want anybody poisoning his collision well. Doesn't even want to run the risk of it. However, in sort of forcing people off the show, I feel like maybe it did poison the well. But I certainly see his his side of things where he looks at it and he goes, you know what, maybe we shouldn't even have these people on here because this could cause an issue. But in in the same sense, saying you got to get the hell out of here, that causes an issue. It, it is hard when you're this deep of seeing the forest from the trees, and like you, like I believe Punk believes that this is like he is not a guy that is trying to wreck this locker room or tear down yeah. th- this company. I think he has in his mind the right intentions, but there is a moment where I think all parties have to stand back and look at what. What is the state of all of this? And and th- this cannot continue. That is the conclusion. And seeing Tony Khan get up at that press conference on Sunday, and he has just achieved the biggest accomplishment business-wise of his life. And the first thing he has to do is address this investigation and a backstage incident. And he'll he'll poker face it and no comment. But that had to be um, the last thing that that guy wanted to be dealing with on the day of this this gigantic achievement for the company. Yeah, for sure. And and with, with the CM Punk level of things, like I think he has a pretty clear view of what he thinks a successful and cohesive locker room is, and that's how he wants his locker room to perform. The the guidelines that were created, I think were were largely pushed by CM Punk. Cuz I mean, there were some pretty specific things in there. Uh and and also there was a little line that Ricky Starks threw at him which I'm surprised they didn't cause any issues where Ricky Starks said, I'm going to walk to the back. My music's going to hit and y'all are going to pretend that, that I didn't just come out here. That was a, a little like fun dig at CM Punk as best I know, because he's very particular about music only being played for people who are advertised to come to the ring. So that was like one of those things. And I saw it and I go, "Uh Oh, is like, is Ricky going to get into a fight? But he's also got one of the most disarming personalities in the history of pro wrestling. So, I mean, I look at that and I'm like, well, that went well, or maybe it went over Punk's head or something like that. But also I see the level in which Punk has micromanaged some aspects of collision. And I'm like, well, he very clearly has has a design in mind for how this show will appear in sort of his image with his reputation and a lot of things associated with it. Yeah. And I see somebody in the chat saying that was all planned. To, to the level in which Ricky Stark said it, it wouldn't have made sense. Like there, there was no context within the show that CM Punk didn't like music played unless that, unless uh, he wanted to. And Ricky often just kind of throws stuff out there. And, and this is all coming in a pretty inopportune time with the addition of collision. You know, I think they're getting a little bit more money, at least to cover the cost of the additional production, but we're really waiting to see, you know, where is collision going to end up averaging they're on the precipice of facing a lot of college football competition for this show, and it's going to weigh heavily into whatever the value is of their next TV deal. And whatever their ratings are is, are going to be heavily affected, at least to somewhat extent, uh, of an extent, is going to be affected by whether or not their biggest star is going to be on these shows. And if this relationship happens to be, you know, unfixable, then then their ratings are going to suffer and perhaps their TV deal is going to suffer. Yeah, and and... The TV deal for them is particularly interesting, and I've mentioned this before because they they are not a publicly traded company. Tony Khan and his investors deem what they consider a success. If they consider profiting like $1 a success and they want to reinvest every single bit of money that they make back into free agency, they can choose to do that. Uh, with WWE, they have to answer to shareholders and all that, and there, there's certainly a different aspect of that. I, I'm 
just so interested to see how this TV deal in WWE's affects the massive free agency year next year and how the massive free agency year next year subsequently affects ratings because we have huge names possibly coming on the board uh, from WWE and possibly AEW too, depending on if any of them have injury time added. We have a, a super chat here from, uh, from, from Richard. Thank you for the, the chat. Hello, Sean Ross Sapp. Question is who will be at AEW oh, collision man. on Saturday? Who will be at AEW Collision on Saturday? Um, I don't think CM Punk is going to be there. I would expect FTR to be there to to set up their show. As best I know, Ricky Starks is supposed to be there. Bullet Club Gold is supposed to be there. I thought Andrade's been sidelined. When I asked, I was told that he was sidelined. He was supposed to be there. I think Scorpio might still be hurt. Joe's supposed to be there. Your typical colliders, it's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Christian and Luchasaurus. I'm sure Miro will still be there too, uh, despite the fact that everybody thought that they were beefing there for a little bit. Uh, but oh, then again, someone's who knows arriving how... in a taxi. Uh, the, yeah, the... yeah, somebody's arriving in a taxi. I think it'll be your usual uh, collision group. But if CM Punk isn't there, maybe they're like, hey, we got to squeeze the Young Bucks and Kenny on the show. Like, why not? D- do you expect pretty much like tonight you have to, I would think, establish. This, this entire card, what do you think about this experiment? Like throwing out the CM Punk stuff, just e- even if you had Punk on the card of doing the pay-per-views back-to-back weekends and what your expectation is for fans coming back a second week in a row for a pay-per-view. Well, ideally it'd be coupled with a max deal or a streaming deal or something because I think that back-to-back pay-per-view weekends is a very, very big ask for your audience. Um, so I think that is, that's a little tough but I remember when I was speaking to people from WBD, they were pointing and they circled this week as like, this is a major week. And that was before the all in announcement. They're like, this week is going to be huge. And I was like, oh, all out. And they're like, not just all out. And to me, if I were AEW, I would have gathered everybody in a room and said, this week is integral for us. It is, it is, it is imperative that we say that we are the top company this week. And I'm talking dynamite, rampage, collision, all in, all out. You tie up every loose end. You finally put the swerve Keith Lee match on a, on a show or something. You put pay per view quality or level matchups or matches with stakes the entire week long. I think it should have been a, a week where they sort of dominated the airwaves in that sense. And it wrapped with all out. The way that it is. Part of the thinking there is that that's sort of the last two weeks before other sports competition really comes in. Yes. Yes, exactly. Because um, they got, you know, they're fortunate in that there's no football this weekend. They're switching back to Saturdays once, or Saturdays for a lot of pay per views once football starts, except for Wrestle Dream, which is interesting if they did a Sunday there. But um, I think that has to do with the Jags being overseas and perhaps the convenience of if they miss that one, sure. But I mean, they're about to face a ton of competition. And I think that what they, they want to do is look at who they can drag in before football season starts and how that will affect them moving forward, whether it be with delayed viewers, live viewers, pay-per-view viewers, television viewers. I think this is their effort in uh, their, their effort to sort of be like, hey, don't forget about us when football's on, please. So as you are continuing to report on this story, Sean, what are some of the, the biggest questions on, on your mind that are still unanswered uh, re- regarding this as we're going into uh, a Tony Khan media availability as well on, on Thursday that you have to imagine this is going to be one of the key topic. I would imagine at the top of the show, he's going to say that he can't comment on it. And that will be that T- tonight's dynamite or the media call. <laughs> Probably <laughs> both. <laughs> Probably both. But I think specifically the media call, he'll be like, I can't comment on this. I can't comment on anything related to this. It's an ongoing investigation. We will keep you updated. Thank you. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And I just see that being like tonight. It's just like, I do feel you have to play fair with, with your audience. And that if this guy's not on the pay-per-view, like this is not, you know, there's not going to be some surprise. And like, if he's off, I think you have to make it clear because you are going to have a very disappointed audience. Um, if he is not showing up and you're going to be people wondering, is he going to do a run in or something? Yeah, it just, it, it really does have the effect of 
this big backlash against the company because it will be um Chicago versus AEW. That is how it's going to yes. be framed over these three nights. Um it's it's a very unenviable position uh, to be in and one they should not be in. Like this this should have been the ultimate celebratory week for AEW coming off of Sunday and maybe we're all so deep into it um but it does feel like a lot of that goodwill oxygen from Wembley was uh was evaporated in very quick fashion because of the story and that has to be the ultimate kicker in this if you're aew and tony khan and i i know that was a thing that bummed out tony khan about the brawl at brawl out was because it sort of overshadowed a really great main event that they had and that was the thing mjf's big return like that was that was immediately um yeah forgotten about within within an hour which there weren't many people that were feeling bad for MJF considering the double or nothing thing and mm-hmm. the attention that took away from, from everything else. But yeah, I don't hear anybody ever talk about that Moxley punk match now because everybody talks about the scrum and what, what happened immediately after. So I, ultimately, I think when all is said and done, this won't necessarily overshadow things in the long run quite the way that Brawl Out overshadowed that pay-per-view. Because I think the magnitude of this show certainly was much more than than that of AEW All Out 2022. My last question for you, Sean. Years from now, how do you think we will look back at this Wembley Stadium show? Like, obviously, they're going to go back next year. And to me, this is established all in as the big show of the year uh, for the company. And I and I think like this is going to be one that is looked upon as one of the one of the seismic events in like this century for a pro wrestling company. I hope so. I mean, they already have long-term plans there, obviously. And when WWE went there a year later, they were frigid in that territory and and in wrestling in general, they, they, they fell off quite, quite a bit. Hopefully that doesn't happen in this case. It looks like wrestling is, is hot right now. It's a, it's a thing that Cody constantly brings up is that it's the, the most rewarding time financially within the industry to be a part of it, whether it be covering it or, or wrestling. And we're about to hit some possible major TV deals as well. So I think that the fact that they sold this show also, it helps eliminate some of the pressure on them to tour throughout Europe and the incredible cost that that could be. Cause I think that this show being on this weekend and only this weekend and no dynamite, no collision there was their way of saying, you want to come see us on this continent. Here's how you get here. Here's how it happens. It's a long weekend. Let's do this. Um, I don't know if they'll ever do 81,000 again. I hope they do. I hope they, they get so white hot. I hope next year we're talking about CM Punk and Kenny Omega headlining the show and them selling 90,000 or something like that. But right now it doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like that's the direction we're going to be headed. If I could ask you one, one WWE uh, question. Sure, the, yeah. The merger uh, is, according to Endeavor's last earnings release, merger is mid to late September is when they expect it to be completed, which is a narrow narrower time window than before. Um, I, I'm hearing from employees that maybe they're expecting it even earlier than that, in the earlier part of September. And there's there's a lot of unknowns, obviously, for employees, just in terms of layoffs, which I expect to be pretty big. And pretty vast. The, they don't know about whether benefits are going to carry over in the same way, time off, all that stuff. I was wondering if you're hearing the same or anything like that. Uh, similar. That's what people are expecting for sure. And I mean, I know that people that have gotten signed within the company are even expecting like, yeah, we probably won't even debut until like September or whenever the merger is done just for, for the sake of it. But uh, yeah, they're holding know, off on signing talent. Well, they've signed some talent. I know for a fact they have signed some talent fairly recently. It's just that since Vince wrote his little declaration letter that he wanted to come back and and seek a deal, there have been no main roster debuts of signings since that moment. Like There there were some that were signed before that. But I, I get the feeling, and it's just a hunch, that they're kind of waiting to put those people on TV. Because you never know. I don't know if if cuts will extend to talent or anything like that. People, unfortunately, on staff are expecting it, which you know sucks and is an unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate reality of mergers. Yeah, I mean, all of us followed like the like the UFC sale and how that just like got you know they, they gutted air areas um, as well. It, it's hard not to look at that and imagine the, like that's just 
the reality of these types of, of mergers and why they are attractive to these yeah. large scale companies. Well, on that note, uh, Sean, I want to thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, I know a lot of our viewers and listeners are already members at FightfulSelect.com. But if not, uh, get yourself subbed up. And uh, Sean, will you be celebrating your birthday uh, later today with Jimmy Van? I will be. I'll be on The Hump after that. I will not be on the post-AEW show. I'm going to see Offspring, Sum 41, and Simple Plan tonight. Oh, my goodness. I'm excited well, for that. Well, I hope it's a quiet night then for, for your sake. I hope there's <laughs> yeah, nothing right. coming out of Cauliflower Alley Club um, that deters you from uh, 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 traveling back to the late 90s. Are you going to Chicago this weekend or, uh, or I'm not. I'm okay. I'm not. Today's my birthday. Saturday is my wife's. Monday is our anniversary. Wow. <laughs> and WWE's running their pay-per-view Saturday. So it was like, let me just, let me just stay at home. We have, Brandon's uh, doing uh, both. He's hitting the road, man. This is, whew. uh, you know, this is indie worker Brandon Thurston making the towns <laughs> this weekend. We, we're very fortunate. We have a wonderful girl, Iridian Fierro, who is going to be at Starcast and AEW covering the show for us. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, we'll go follow all of Sean's great work and his whole team at Fightful.com and FightfulSelect.com. Uh, thanks so much, Sean, for uh, for jumping on with us. This was an excellent chat. And just based on the comments, I think a lot of people uh, enjoyed this a lot. We'll have to do this again because uh, I can promise there will there will always be more um, chaos that is going on in the world of professional Indeed. wrestling. Yeah, Thank you all so much. If live stream number is, is any indication, Sean Ross app is a draw. It, oh, put the bloodline oh, aside, okay? The quarter hour rise uh, throughout the show has been, uh, I, I think, Sean Ross Sapp, a confirmed draw, clearly. Well, when Brandon, when Brandon sure puts out the quarter the... hours, you'll see. I need the minute by minutes. Yeah. That's it. Well, we, we, fortunately, we, we have, have uh, first party data here, so we're good. You know what? I know a guy. I'm going to get fast nationals. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, Sean Ross Sapp, have a great one and happy birthday, Sean. Happy birthday. All right. That was a great chat uh, with, with Sean and getting all up to date. We uh, we did get a, a handful of super chats there um, that I'm going to get to now uh, from Glassdoor Gamer, who writes, Pre-Punk, we didn't hear much about backstage drama at AEW. From January to June, AEW issues, other than Punk's Instagram stuff, seem fine too. Common denominator. And that's probably going to be the opinion of a lot of people of, um, you know, the issues that have at least uh, escalated here. Uh, next up, we have... Oh, a question that I know Brandon will like. Hey, guys, what if this was all scripted by Tony Khan as a way to keep AEW on everyone's lips with free PR? Tony Khan has been writing very long-term stories. Mm-hmm. This is all work, Brandon. It's this all is, work, brother. Because this has been a glowing week of headlines for AEW since All In ended. This has been a total positive for, for them, has it not? I, I actually watched All In with somebody who... who uh works in, in, in wrestling, uh, who may even be listening, uh, eventually here at the end. And he brought up to me, I, I think maybe some of it's work. It's, it's not a work. It's not, <laughs> it's not helping their business. I mean, yes, it's creating a me- a wrestling media story, but I don't see it. I've seen the least of that business coming out of this yes. one. Um, yes. but I mean, that's always going to exist in wrestling, uh, with that skepticism. Uh, why isn't the suspension? And this is from curly mustache FTW. Because I'm obligated to read every uh, user handle here. Why isn't the suspension addressed publicly with Punk and others as opposed to the times with Jimmy Havoc getting fired and Sammy Guevara suspended years ago? Uh, that that does bring up a, an aspect to this whole thing, Brandon, is the fact that like there are legal representatives I- involved. And I think like there's there is that in the back of your mind of is the end game of all of this some kind of lawsuit if things truly go sour and I think that is certainly a concern on AEW's part as well of the of of the legal issues. And if if a, a lawsuit comes out of this at the end of the day, if this is ultimately the parties blow up and cannot work with each other anymore, I think you could be looking at some contentious legal battle at the end of all of this that they are hopefully trying to avoid. Yeah, I think they came close to being in, involved in a legal battle a year ago, too, after the incident last year. And I, my impression is that Punk is, you know, become somewhat litigious. I think particularly after the, uh, the Dr. Aman, uh, lawsuit. And it's, it's a real possibility. And, you know, I, I do have my, my pacer search, Phil Brooks. On standby. Andy writes in, why do you think WWE has gone off the boil after SummerSlam? Was it intentional to take a breather? Are there big plans after payback? Um, maybe you can ask Paul Levesque this on Saturday. Why have, why is, uh, programming taking a bit of a lull the last four weeks. So you guys planning a, a return afterwards? I, I think there's, I mean, it's not like this company's fallen off a cliff since SummerSlam. I mean, you do have Roman Reigns. He's, you know, on a bit of a hiatus right now. Um, 
going into this. This does segue into one of our topics here um, that John Cena is going to be back for an extended stay beyond just a SmackDown on Friday and the India show. He is then after September 8th in India doing seven straight weeks of SmackDown through the end of October. And he's skipping Boston, though. He is skipping Boston. Boston is the one SmackDown that he's not on over this. Oh, that's the September 8th show. Oh, interesting. Um, Well, that that, uh, clearly the man. um, Well, can't be in two places at once, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if this does coincide with with Roman Reigns being off for a a period of time, like that is certainly a hell of a Band-Aid to have John Cena for two months, uh, no less. Right. It's SmackDown, so it's not like it's going to be going against uh, football where, where Raw is, but uh, it, it should help the ratings. Uh, we saw a big rating with uh, the tributes to, to Bray Wyatt and Terry Funk on the most recent SmackDown. Um, but I, it should certainly help their ratings. He appeared, what, December 30th last year uh, for, for the tag match that he did? Yes. And it did a really strong rating. You know, we, SmackDown has repeatedly done over the last, I don't know, nine months or so, repeatedly it's hit this benchmark of this was the highest since December 25th, uh, 2020. And that was one of them. We also had, um, just some of the, uh, the press conference notes from, from Tony Khan. So the announced paid attendance, and I totally attribute, uh, the man to your right on the screen for having this paid number reported 81,035 at Wembley stadium, which th- there's no reason to believe that this is not an accurate number of the paid figure. Um, but it's still, it's astounding to me that I, I don't know how many other promoters that would go with the smaller number than what they could have got. Like they could have announced the number with comps and just had what is the highest number possible we could get. Instead, they announced a paid figure that to me is going to be the, like that is a number that WWE cannot just snap their fingers and top that number. Um, and for all intents and purposes, at least from Tony Khan's data, uh, this would be the highest paid figure in wrestling history, um, which Brandon has exhaustively researched more than anyone at this point when it comes to WrestleMania three and, uh, and WrestleMania 32 that seem to be the other candidates. Yeah. So it's, it's probably the highest. I, I will say that it's probably the highest. I, I they certainly can say it and I can't de- definitively dispute it. That it is the highest paid attendance ever. Um, WrestleMania 32, as we've said many times, looks like it was about 80,000. It could have been a little bit more, a little bit less. Don't know. Um, WrestleMania three. Russellnomics.com. Yeah. Uh, I, I get, I get th- these days, you know, it changes by the day, in my opinion, but I, I lean towards Dave's report that 75,800, I think he's reported, uh, for the paid number for the Silverdome WrestleMania 3. 75,800. Yeah. That's, that's a little less than, um, the 81,035. Did I get it right? I got to memorize that. 8135. Yeah. Um, really curious. Well, why do you think they chose paid attendance? And not just, this is our attendance or, or, cause clearly, I mean, I believe this is a legitimate number. I believe this is the actual number of tickets that were sold. Um, so why, what, why do you think they were specific about that? I think, <clears throat> I think that Tony Khan is very aware that like this, this is a guy that is very data driven. And I think he is very aware of the pole stars of the world, of the Brandon Thurston's of the world, that this is a number that WWE cannot just come out and announce a figure. Like ultimately, I think this was a number that was as much announced for the people that are following the WWE KPIs that this is a figure that will take some real effort for WWE to be able to legitimately uh, top as opposed to him just announcing attendance plus comps. It opens WWE to be able to, it, it almost is like, we're getting away from the fictitious number and that's a game WWE can't play with us. Yeah. W's numbers include who knows what their, what their real formulas. We got those emails from the Royal rumble showing how they were including, um, all the personnel and some security outside and maybe some suites that weren't being occupied and things like that. Yeah. Then we, how about the announcement that they will do Wembley stadium next year um were you surprised at all um and maybe we shouldn't have been like this was an an enormous success and maybe the only surprise was that they like this is an event to me you can this can be your traveling stadium show every year but they are staying in london and there's a lot of reasons to want to stay in such a major tourist hub like london is and when you drew 81 plus thousand people um no even next year if 
if they do 65, like that's an enormous success for AEW. Um, but right. yeah, there's, it also opens it, which Tony Khan discussed, like the idea you could do some TVs there. You could expand beyond just the single day event. Right. And it will help them if, if, if all in continues to be a very profitable show, it will help them sustain, uh, maybe a wider tour throughout Europe and the UK. Um, I think, you know, the, uh, one, one takeaway I got here is that, oh, I realized it now. It's been true all along that Tony Khan really loves tradition. He loves, he loves a pattern. He loves to do something again and again. And if I had considered that, I would would have been like, oh yeah, of course they're going to do this. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I guess we were talking, uh, last Sunday on Russell Alex Radio, you know, what the cost according to sports business, sport business, uh, the interview they did with Tony Khan, there's a, a mentioning in there by the author that the cost to rent Wembley Stadium was about 400 or $500,000, I believe. Um, so if you, that doesn't include logistics and security. And then of course that doesn't include the production of the show, which I'm guessing was well over a million dollars, maybe $2 million. So I kind of did the math and, you know, so they, they draw even like 20,000 or 30,000 that probably at least breaks even for them just on ticket sales, not to mention what they do on pay-per-view or if there's some sort of media max deal by then. So it's, yeah, it's something they, they can do. I think there's, you know, there's, perception issues to think about if you have a, an empty stadium there that's only like half full um but financially it, it should make sense and they will in fact be coming back so this month you've got all out which is this sunday then you have the arthur ash stadium show on september yes. the 20th and then another pay-per-view sunday october 1st which will be in coordination with the one-year anniversary of Antonio Noki's passing, which will be dubbed Wrestle Dream, which is back-to-back nights uh, paired with Collision that weekend at the Climate Pledge Arena, which they drew very well for their first time in the market earlier this year, uh, back-to-back nights in Seattle. And it will bring up a question of, um, you know, it seemed Tony Khan very much wants New Japan talent on this show, but as it's been pointed out, um, most of the roster is working at Cork and Hall that day for a Road to Destruction show. So I don't know how much New Japan talent would even be available, but this is obviously Tony Khan is expanding his belief of what the audience is willing to uh, spend on in terms of pay-per-view content and adding pay-per-views, which we we had seen was clearly the path they were going towards. Yeah, it'll be curious to see what the pay-per-view schedule is like going forward, because now we're going to have, we could say, uh, was there a pay-per-view in June? Yes, there's been door at the end of June. And there's no pay-per-view in July, but there's one in August. Ring of Honor, if you want to include that. True. Um, and then August, there'll be one, there was one in August all in. There'll be all out in September. It'd be interesting to see what the buys are going to be for all out. But, uh, and then there's going to be one in October. Um, right. And then there'll be full gear in November. Will there be a winter is coming? battle in December? Like oh, we're, we're pretty true, much at true. this point now where, yeah. yeah, you're almost at like a monthly pay-per-view cycle between AEW and Ring of Honor. And also for that full gear weekend, this had been our question. What do you do during football season? They will do full gear on a Saturday night from the Kia Forum and collision will move to the Friday night for that week only in an eight to 10 slot, which Tony Khan did not state, but it would seem like that creates a three hour window on TNT with Rampage immediately following it. I don't see them just scrapping Rampage that week. So you might have not just a three hour block, but our first collision versus SmackDown head to head. From eight, starting at eight. Well, that's when collision starts. Isn't that what Tony Khan stated at the press conference? It would be I missed that. You, you might be right, though. I'll have to look. Yeah, um, I imagine it's in its regular time slot the the night before, but maybe that can be confirmed on the uh, and and this which 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 date again is this? This would be Friday, November seventeenth. Collision would air, and then Saturday oh, is right. full gear pay per view. Okay. Yes. Right. I guess it could start at ten and go to. 10 11 and at 1 1 a.m uh but yeah that will be that could be a head-to-head smackdown versus collision yes all right well the hour is up um brandon is a is a busy man but we got a lot uh across in in this show um a great show a big thank you to sean ross sap for joining us and uh for those that maybe are listening to us for the first time uh you can follow all of brandon's great work patreon.com slash russellnomics and uh on the post wrestling side postwrestlingcafe.com is where you can go to uh support uh our sites as well tonight waiting and i will be live right after dynamite in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. It is the post-Dynamite, post-Cauliflower Alley Club review show. 
um, as I'm sure we will be uh, seeking out any uh, correspondence from Las Vegas. And Where's the Cauliflower Alley uh, banquet? Is it Las Vegas? Vegas, yes. Yeah. Okay. So no, no punk on tonight's show. I, I don't think that – I think that's a very, very safe bet. And I guess it will remain to be seen. Uh, but the man who will be on the scene this weekend, Brandon Thurston, in Pittsburgh for payback on Saturday, then at All Out on Sunday. And uh, I'm sure there will be no, no shortage of uh, interesting news that we will have to dissect next week on the show. Yeah, I've got a Sunday. We do Russell Long Radio only for subscribers. That's along with TV ratings reports and a lot of other reports. That's what you, what you get as a subscriber for just $5. But I'm planning on doing... Russell Honks Radio, perhaps from Midway Airport, because I'll be about to. F- no, where will I be? I think I'll be in Pittsburgh. I think I'll be doing from the the airport. And does that make sense? No, Midway, because I'll be going home. I think it'll be. A, I think I'll be at the airport though. You know, some people might might cancel it or re- reposition it. Now I'm just going to do it where I am. The man this is on this laptop. The man will bring you Russell Nomics Radio each and every week, along with Chris Gullo and Jesse Collins. So tune into that Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for patrons at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics. So again, a thank you to Sean Ross Sapp. Thank you for all your super chats and those tuning in live. And we will be back next Wednesday for another edition of Pollock and Thurston.